All right, if you have your Bibles, we'll have a reading from the book of Luke. Luke chapter 12. Beginning in verse 13. My Bible says, covetousness is denounced. And the NIV, it's called the parable of the rich fool. Beginning in verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Jesus said, man. (laughs) Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. What a great statement. And then he told this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. There I will store my surplus in grain. Then I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whomever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Heavenly Father, as Randy comes forward, bless the words that he has for us. May they touch our heart and our minds and and stick there and overflow into our lives. May we learn from them and apply them in our lives going forward. Amen. All right, well, church family, it is good to see you here, and I'm going to go ahead and remind the teens and the kids that if you'd like to go ahead and be dismissed, head on back. We uh, appreciate your presence already, but uh, you have a a group that's back there waiting for you, and participating with them will be even more meaningful for you, I am sure. Now, if you got my Facebook post, if you got the email and read that and opened it, you know that uh, I told you today, once again, was going to be a little different. And uh, so I'm just going to tell you, the, let the mystery end, I'm actually going to be having one of you come forward and be a part of kind of an interview uh, in just a little bit. And yes, that person that is in the audience today knows who they are. I don't want you to freak out, okay? I mean, I don't want you to be sitting there going, he's not going to call me up there for an interview, is he? No, unless you know who you are. And yeah, you're coming up in a minute, but... When we get to that part in the service, just let you know that's what's coming. That's what's going to be a little different. Um, And if it's not you, y'all can breathe easy and just pray for that person that's coming up. It's never easy to be up here and speaking unless you're me and then you can't shut up. All right, so here's the deal today. I'm going to be talking about a, a passage of scripture that Eric just read from Luke chapter 12. And yes, I am going to be talking about money. But I want to just make sure... Those of you who are on the YouTube stream right now, don't turn this off. I know what's going on. I'm talking right to you. Yes, to you. I know if you were here and you heard that the preacher was going to be talking about money, you couldn't just get up and leave, but you can turn off your thing. And I'm telling you, don't do that because you're going to miss out on something that could be life-changing and is probably not what you think. I'm going to talk a little bit about money. And for most people, when you hear that the preacher's talking about money, you start thinking, he's going to talk about tithing. I'm not talking about tithing today. I'm talking about something totally different, altogether in a different direction. I'm going to mention one thing about tithing at the very beginning, and we're going to keep moving. I don't apologize for saying that one thing about tithing, because the truth is, is that it's an opportunity for all of us to partner with God and make sure that we're not going down the direction of being a person who believes that everything that we gain is just for us. But instead, I'm going to talk about that and move on pretty quickly. So let me just share that with you as we begin. And before I go any further, I just want to say a very special thanks um, for those of you who uh, swung by. Guys, thank you so much for your participation in dealing with the yard and all the help that you gave. It was so incredible, such an encouragement. 
Frank, thank you so much for being a part of that. We didn't get rained out. We are going to have another opportunity. If you can come this coming Saturday, we're trying to get some things kind of back to usual, uh, and we could use your help and use your participation. But I want to say a special thank you to Frank, and I want to say a very special thank you to the Castros. We appreciate you guys coming and being a part of that. Uh, Y'all showed up with that trailer and all the equipment that I couldn't touch. I understand um, I wouldn't trust me either, but y'all knew what you were doing and it was awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Well, let's begin as today we conclude the transform series about unleashing new life. And we want to talk a little bit about what a new life might look like in your life. So let's go to this first one here. This has been our theme verse it's kind of our overarching theme. And it's one to remember if you come away and say, you know what? I'm memorizing scripture. I want to hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against God, you know, in the Psalms. You can remember this one verse. It's from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2a. And it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means that every change that begins in your life, every change that really changes the pattern of how you live really begins in how you think. And so each and every week we've talked about how you change your mind and then also how you change your method. So very quickly, I want to talk a little bit about this something to learn. If you are not familiar, I want you to know that you do not you know, you want to say, oh, I'm not crazy about Randy talking about money. Here's the deal. Jesus spoke more about money than he spoke about heaven. Now, let's just take a quick and informal survey. How many of you are surprised at that? That is true. That is true. But Jesus spoke more about money than he did about heaven. So it's an important thing. So we cannot act like a money conversation isn't a spiritual conversation. Jesus knew that money is both a tool and a test. I think you guys probably can understand it, but let me just give you a very, very brief kind of synopsis. Money is a tool. That means the skill in which you have money in your hands is up to you. Because the truth of the matter is, is that I can hold this microphone just like Karen did. And I promise you what I put into it is not going to sound the same. Can I get an amen? Karen, don't say a word. Don't say a word. So why? Because this is a tool. And what I direct it to do is what it's going to do. And money is the same way. And that's why so many people, and I get it, I'm going to be honest with you. I love my beautiful wife for lots of reasons, but she is an incredible manager of our money and our finances at our home. And I really, really genuinely appreciate her for that. And I appreciate her willingness to do that because it's a stress. It's difficult. But there are people that sometimes would just rather not know. It's like... That thing that looks like it might have come from the IRS, I don't want to know. But, you know, that's the problem. We can't just put money out of our mind and just assume that it's going to be okay. And so money is a tool. You have to make sure that you are putting in the right input for it to go in the right direction. If you want your money to work for you, then you got to put it in places where it is working for you, not just simply being spent. And then it's also a test. The truth of the matter is, is that Jesus said in his, in his words to people, he said, the truth is, is that he who is faithful over some things will be ruler over many. He who is not faithful over some things will not be made ruler over many. And for some of us, it would be an incredible thing for us to get a handle on our money and really kind of use it as a tool and pass that test with money because the truth is, is that, I don't know if you've really figured this out, but it really don't matter how much you make. It just matters how you spend it and how you direct it. That is true. I'm telling you, I know people that have tons of money saved and invested in all that stuff, and they've never made a good salary, a quote-unquote good salary. And I also know people who have made tons of money at their job and have nothing that they own to show for it. Now, not show for it, and I'm not talking about what you're driving, I'm talking about nothing to show for it. The hillbilly is coming out today, so forgive me. Do you understand it's about spending, not about what you make? And so you be careful to make sure that the tool, but also the test of money is one that you pass. Let's go to this next slide and check this out. 
common marriage problems and solutions. This is not a Christian website. But look down there. It says, you have problems in your relationships. And here's some of them. Number one, money problems. The truth of the matter is, is that if you check it out and look, for most people, they say within the top five, money uh, is one of the top five problems that causes marriages to have huge amounts of conflict and maybe even sometimes make, making them end in divorce. So even if you're not a Christian, you understand that money is a test in your marriage as well. So as we kind of think about this, I want you to not miss this. Just let's go to this next slide. My belief is that God can do more with 90% of my money than I can do with 100% of that amount 100% of the time. I believe that with all of my heart. I've given, I've given a 10% or more on every dime that I've made basically since I was about 16 years old. And I feel like in so many ways God has blessed me beyond measure that is, is out, of, out of proportion to what I have given or done he has blessed me tremendously. You can even, I, I mean, I'm telling you, I can even tell you this past week, we did one small thing to be a small blessing and God turned around and paid it back in a very tangible way. Now that doesn't always happen. I'm not sitting here going, if you sow a seed here, you get three times that. I'm, I'm not trying to do that because that's not something that you can prove. But here's what I will tell you. I've never thought that I could outgive God. And every time that I've given something that hurt a little bit, it was always paid back in full and then some very soon. And I will just say one other thing. My dad has a lot of wisdom, a ton of wisdom. And he, he always said this. <laughs> he always said, here's what you can do. And this is so basic. He said, tithe 10%. Give or save 10% and then live on 80% and you'll never have a money problem. End of story. And I was like, huh, I don't know if that's true or not. But the longer that I live and now I'm a little bit older, I'm here to tell you that basically I think my dad was pretty much right. Now, my dad is not Dave Ramsey. I'm telling you, he's just a guy. But I believe that the problem for most of us is not that we don't make enough money. It's that we spend every dime that we make. We don't live on 80% tithe and save the other 20, but instead we live on 120, right? And so that's most of the time our problem in our modern world. Now, here's the big question. And by the way, I'm done talking about tithing. All right, I'm done. So that was pretty quick and I'm finished. I might mention it in passing, but I'm done. Here's the question for us to really think about though. This is really important. Here's the big question. How much is enough? You know what the actual answer for most people is? A little bit more. Right? I mean, it's not, it's not an actual amount because you've been there. I've been there. I've said, you know what? If I could just make blank, I'd never need more. And then I got there, and guess what I thought? You know, if I just made blank... Or even if you turn it and flip it to the possessions, like what this guy is speaking to Jesus about. He hollers out, hey, Lord, tell my brother to split the inheritance correctly with me. Like, like inheritances have just recently started causing problems between siblings. Can I get an amen, right? I mean, that's been around forever, forever. Well, so what's happening here? Hey, Lord, split this inheritance correctly. You be the judge. He says, what are you talking about? And by the way, the problem isn't that the inheritance is not split correctly. You need to be more concerned about making sure that even if you don't get what's coming to you, that it doesn't ruin your life. Because your life does not, it is not the accumulation of possessions that makes your life a successful one. And so if I only had blank, I'd never need more. And then you get blank, and then you move the goalposts. Now, I, I, this is only going to be good if we can be honest. Can I get an amen, right? You've been there, right? I mean, if I only made this much, and then we make that much, and then we go, you know, but I thought I'd be all right, but now I've still got some more bills to pay, and I still want a little more. The truth is, is that it's always that answer, a little more. We change the finish line constantly, and we're not satisfied oftentimes with what we have. But here's another something to learn. This is so important. Jesus is famous for teaching in parables. In a list of 39 parables that you can find online, at least 10 of them have an element touching the concept of money. The lost coin, because it's a, 
a coin. Uh, the parable of the talents, which is a way of saying money. Talents was not talents like, hey, he can juggle. It wasn't that. It was talents is a division of money. Uh, pearl of great price. I think we all, if you've ever tried to buy an actual pearl, you know that's about money. And then the prodigal son. What is the prodigal son about? He comes to his father and he says, Dad, give me the inheritance that I'm owed. And then he goes and he, you know, you know the rest of that story, right? So there's also some others right here. There's lots of different parables all about money. So this is a spiritual thing. It's a tool and it's also a test. And listen to Jesus' own words in two different passages of Scripture, one in Luke and one in Matthew. God said to him, you're a fool. To this man who said, I've received more. Now I'm going to try to figure out what I do with it. Huh, what do I do? I got a great idea. I will turn around and tear down the perfectly good barns that I have, and I'll build even bigger barns so that I might never have need. He's moving the finish line, just like we do. And so he instead, God said to that man, you're a fool because this very night your life will be demanded from you. Who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. And then Jesus goes even deeper and it's even more powerful. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And the truth is, is that that's probably not what we think about when we talk about being discontent with what we have. We don't look at it as us turning our back on God. It's just, well, we want God, but we also want these other things that are really, really, really important in the here and now. And I want to just clear up something very quickly. I am not at all against anyone having money or possessions. These are important things. And you know, the truth of the matter is, is that I believe that you should work and that you should pay your bills. And if you have money that you can use for yourself and get something that you enjoy, man, do that. There's nothing in the world wrong with making, spending, having money. But the problem is, is that so often, have we all been there? Where at one point or another in our life, whether it's a problem with money or it's maybe the thing that we have been setting aside money for, we don't have money, but instead in the midst of maybe a, a week or a month or a year or even a season of our life, we realize that we don't have money, money has us. We've been there, right? We've all been there. And so Jesus says, don't try to serve two masters, you can only serve one. Now, here, on a little more lighthearted note, you can check this out. Here's what Dave Ramsey says. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. Can I get an amen on that? Guilty. We've all been there. Dave Ramsey, if it, I'm going to talk a lot about Dave Ramsey, not because he's got all the answers, nor because he's written a book in the Bible. That is not true. Some people believe that. That is not true. But he is a guy who talks about money on a regular basis, and we're even going to have some places that you can go. But check it out. Look at what this says. The debt slasher. <laughs> and that's his idea. Uh, that's his gimmick. You know, everybody's got a gimmick. Um, he has these big pairs of scissors that he has, and he puts a credit card in between the big pair of scissors, and he snips them. So that way you don't spend more than you actually can afford to spend. And then look at this. This is from Money Magazine, which, by the way, if you don't know, that's not a Christian magazine. Um, he's called the debt slasher, and he says, Broke millennials are flocking to financial guru Dave Ramsey. Is his, is his advice sound? Now, stop for just a second. Here's what I want to tell you. Parents, if you don't teach your kids how to deal with money, how to save money, how to invest money, how to not spend every dime that they get the moment that it hits their hands, then your kids will have problems with money most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. And here's the big thing that often happens. If you've got three kids and you've got one that's really a responsible person and then the others that are not, you might be thinking, well, I never taught this one how to do it, and they turned out fine. Well, that's the thing. 
There are usually spenders and there are usually savers. And the truth of the matter is, is that your first one might have been a spender. I mean, a saver, excuse me, but the other two might be spenders. So guess who's going to have problems? The ones who spend, not the one who saves. And so you can't just assume that the things that you know about money are the way that they're going to be. Now, I'm going to ask you guys a quick question. How many of you guys maybe received your first credit card whenever you went to college? Did any of you guys receive your first credit card when you went to college? A handful of you? I thought I had arrived. I was like, man, I'm the coolest kid on campus. I mean, they gave me, I'm embarrassed to say it, they gave me $235 in credit. This will get me a long way. And, and what's so terrible about it is it actually would have gotten me a long way back in the day. I was spending like $1.25 for a gallon of gas. Don't, don't judge me. I mean, I'm just old. I can't help it. Beats the alternative. Here's the deal. The truth is, is that for many of us, it's an exciting thing. We, oh, it's so much fun. But we end up turning the place where we've come and we've become people who spend more than we have to make sure that we keep the same level of lifestyle. And really, the truth is, is that there are whole generations who have not been taught by their parents how to deal with money. I'm not saying every person in those generations, but some have not been given the teaching. And by the way, that's the parent's responsibility, not theirs. But if you did not get good training, I hope that you'll have some places to go today after we get through. Andy Stanley's podcast actually has three different messages. There's two of them that I've listened to that it's called What to Do About Money. They're very good. There's a couple of pieces that I'm going to be sharing today with you from there. And this is one of them. All right. Everybody good? Y'all ready? Let's do this. True confession's good for the soul. All right. Look at this next slide. Is this familiar to you? Have you seen this happen to you? Can I get an amen? Can I wave? All right, yes. All right, now, I told you true confession is good for the soul. Now, let's go a little deeper. Everybody's like, of course, I, I, I'm an Amazon Prime member. I am too. The church is. I mean, everybody cool is, right? All right, so fine. There, I'm, I'm joking about the cool thing. If you're at home, don't get, don't get all upset. I'm just teasing. All right, here's where we're going to get honest. How many of you have ever pulled up into the driveway and seen that? Let me see you raise your hands and just leave them there, okay? Some of you are like, I'm not raising my hand. I know he's going somewhere with this, and I'm not going to like it. All right, so leave your hands up, and now leave your hands up if you go, I think I know what one of them is, but I have no idea what the other one is. How many of you are like, two for two, Randy? I got to be honest, two for two. I have no idea what either one of them is. Andy Stanley says, it's like Christmas every day. You walk home and you're like, great, this is awesome. It's, it's like Christmas. Who gave it to me? Oh, I gave it to me. Great. We open it up and we go, did I order that? I'm going to tell you what's scary. Here's what's scary. To live with your wife and in the middle of the night turn and find her awake with her phone scrolling and you see that familiar yellow color and you're like babe isn't that bad like are you sure that there's not like a closing time for amazon i mean are you sure you're fully with it has your retail alcohol blood content like crossed the line somewhere and we're doing some dangerous things asking for a friend I i'm just saying asking for a friend Here's the truth of the matter. You've probably heard a ton that money is the root of all, but that's not what the Bible actually says, is it? It's not. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. You see, there's a difference between money that you have and money that has you. There's a big difference, and people say all the time, money's the root of all evil. Money's the root of all evil. Man, how many hospitals do you figure are going to get built for kids who need to be, be healed of difficult and really life-threatening diseases? How many of you think those are going to just get built because people want them to get built? No, somebody came along and said, here's a million dollars, build a wing. Like, money is not the root of all evil, the love of money. When I, I can't... I put that million down and go, this is a really good cause, but I can't make my hand release a million dollars. You see, the love of money is the root of all evil, not money. And so 
we've read this passage of scripture before from this, from this very stage. This is actually where I used to put my check. Back when you could tithe with a check. <laughs> you know, and hammer things out in stone tablets if you needed to. Um, whenever I used to pay my tithe with a check, I would put my tithe check on 1 Timothy chapter 6 every time. I'd open my Bible and I'd slide that in there and I'd close that. So I'd be reminded that if I can always, I will never forget where I put that check. It's always at the place where I'm deciding that the love of money is not going to have me. What godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world. We can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I don't even need to go down the road of saying what some people do just to get rich. I'm sure you could probably figure it out. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Money can add meaning to your life as a tool, but money will never be the meaning of life. That's the test. Now, I'm a big believer in money as a tool. I really do believe there's things that we all love. I get it. But here's what I would say. <clears throat> Travel is an incredible thing. It will enrich you. It will broaden your kids' minds. I'm a huge believer in travel, and they usually want money <laughs> to, to do traveling. I don't know why, but they do. Or what about this, this next slide here? I mean, have you ever given to somebody? I mean, not just given through an organization, but literally given person to person. I could tell you a story about an opportunity that we had personally one time outside of a restaurant we were able to give to somebody that we knew it was a small token of just saying thank you. But both of us had tears in our eyes as we left. And it is, I can't even think about it without it giving me chills. It, it's just a blessing to be able to be a blessing. And if you don't have your money squared away and situated in such a way that you can give, then you will never know the, the gift and the blessing of being a blessing. Here is the big idea that we have already talked through, but I want to just say it again because there's no way in the world I could ever say it better. No man can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. That's from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I know we all have things we love. I get it. Maybe the things that we love are clothes. Maybe it's cars. Maybe it's technology. Maybe it's stuff in your house and all that. You may even be fooling yourself and say, but I don't love money. No, I don't, I don't care about money. I just love all the stuff that comes along with it. Yeah, don't fool yourself. The truth is, is that money, it's not like having that green paper. There's nothing great about that. It's about these things. And if you think that, by the way, the only thing that money can buy is just purely those things that we just showed, man, money can also buy you respect from certain groups of people. Even though you're not a better person, you're just wealthier. So the truth of the matter is, is that you've got to be very careful and keep it in the correct order. It's always he, not my will, but thy will be done. And then we, in honor, preferring other people over ourselves. And then me, loving your neighbor as you already love yourself. There's nothing in the world wrong with spending money on yourself. It's just when money has become out of order. Now, very quickly, I want to talk about how you change your mind, and I want to share a, a little bit about change your mind, and then we'll talk a little bit about how to change your method. Here's how you change your mind. You work on keeping things in perspective. When obsession with things or greed, let's just call it what it is, let's call it what it is, is greed. If greed is creeping in, and it always does on all of us, think he, not me. That means you say, okay, well, hold on. Every dollar that comes into my hands isn't mine to spend on me. It needs to be submitted to him. And then I would just say that money, this is important to grasp, money changes less than you think. Here's what I mean by that. Here's what I mean by money changes less than you think. I, I'm, I'm just talking for me. I, I'm going to put up a picture, and I, I've already told you how old I am, and I'm feeling older and older every day. Put up this picture, if you don't mind. 
Look at this picture, okay? This is a 1989 Mazda B2200 pickup truck. And I will tell you that the one that I had was black. And it was so cool. It was so cool. Imagine me with a mullet standing right next to it. It was awesome. If you really want to get the full appreciation, imagine Shelly with hair out to here. It was glorious. So beautiful. Like so much air in the hair. It was amazing. I was so poor that I could not get the bumper because it was like 700 extra dollars. I was like, I don't need a bumper in the back, do I? I mean, I got all this space. It's metal in between. I'm good. I had had a car that got hail damage. Now, here's the thing. In Oklahoma, they get hail all the time. It is the craziest weather in the world. But in Oklahoma, where I grew up, I had a 1980 Camaro. Yes, a 1980 Camaro, minus all the cool, <laughs> unfortunately, minus the really cool motor or the cool sound. You know, you turned it on, you want it to go, you know, and it was like, <laughs> you know that? Not great, not great. Fortunately, Shelly was not a person motivated by material possessions. Otherwise, we'd just be waving at each other from the 20th anniversary of our graduations. So here's the deal. I thought, you know what, I'm going to wait, and I'm going to wait, and I'm going to wait, and I'm going to save up money, and instead of trying to get this hail damage car that, yes, I did not have full insurance, judge me if you will, but if you've ever paid a 16-year-old's insurance with a few tickets on there, yes, that are probably more the officer's fault than my fault, yeah, I couldn't afford it. And so, because of that, I waited and waited and waited, and I got a brand new Gift to myself, $6,600 would buy you a brand new Mazda B2200 pickup truck in 1989. Yes, I know this feels like a history lesson. There is a point. Please stay with me. This was my truck, except for it was black. And I looked really good next to it because I had full hair and I was very skinny at that time. Here's the deal. I got that truck and it was literally like a year or a year and a half in the making and I went to, you know, the final four, five, six months of my senior year. And then I started going to a commuter college called University of Central Oklahoma in Edmond, Oklahoma. And I went there on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And so I would drive up there, live at my parents' house, drive back. Well, I came out one day, and this truck is maybe six months old, maybe eight months old at that time. It's a truck that I've been dreaming of having for forever. And I came out, and I came from the opposite end. You know, sometimes you come right to your door. Sometimes you have to kind of like walk around and walk around. I walked around my truck and the hood, and I was like, weird. There's a spider web just stuck. And I went to move the spider web, and it didn't move. Because somebody had taken a key and just kind of across my hood, all the way across good stuff. To this day, I want to tell that person about Jesus right now if you could give me his name. Kidding. I'm totally kidding. Truth of the matter is, is it doesn't matter because it taught me a lesson that if I'm putting all of my heart and all of my wealth and all of my identity into being the cool guy who got a new truck, yeah, it just could go away that quickly. And it may not even be somebody doing it because it was me. I mean, it could have just been somebody who did it on an accident. It could have just been somebody who was just walking by and pulling a prank. I was devastated. And then I realized how shallow I had become in the midst of it. I'm sure it's just me. Well... I'm telling you that we get our emotions wrapped up into our, our finances and we can let it run us if we're not very, very careful. Now, I'm here to the place where I want to do the interview, so I'm going to ask Kim Potts. Yes, Kim is the one that I'm asking. Uh, surprise, you're the one who's coming up. No, I'm kidding. Come on up here and grab this microphone if you would. But I've already talked about how you change your mind. I want to talk about how you can change your methods. I don't want to talk about, hey, transform your life. Be different. Live in a different way and a different pattern and not actually give you some steps that you can follow up on. 
But this has been something that you and I, we're just going to kind of have a conversation. Um, this has been something that you got started. How long ago did you get started on the Dave Ramsey thing uh, that you kind of have begun in your life? Um, good morning, church family. Um, it was y'all about- say good morning. I mean, <laughs> y'all, y'all can ignore me. I get it. But, I mean, come on. Um, I got started uh, with Dave Ramsey's principles about 2018, but I kind of... Wax, wax and wane back and forth. So yeah. really officially October of 2019. October of 2019. Yeah, is when I got serious with it. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what they call a debt snowball in just a second. But if you see this, RamseySolutions.com, it says the debt snowball versus the debt avalanche. And I want you to know this. This is really important because you're going to hear something that works and has worked for literally tens of thousands of people. Because I know that, hey, I, I don't know where your situation is. Like, I'm, I didn't give you a survey to fill out. Yeah, I need to talk to so-and-so about debt. I'll just preach a message. No, it's not like that. Like, I'm going to talk to you. If you're, if you're, okay, you already know if you're in debt up to here, you already know this is a spiritual thing. I don't even have to convince you because you can't think about anything else without thinking about money and how much stuff costs. You know that. You know how I know? Because we've been there. We've been there. And so it's not about making more. That will come. I believe that. I believe as you honor God, he continues to honor you. But it is about learning how to use the tool correctly. And I know that that's happened in your life. Very quickly, we're going to talk about the debt snowball versus the debt avalanche. If you'll go to this next slide, you can see there's two different ways. And Dave Ramsey talks about the debt snowball. And these are the differences. And, and this is really important. This is really important. You pay off your debts smallest to greatest or smallest to largest. Now, you might be thinking, well, I really need to start with the one that is the highest interest rate because that just makes sense. Let me just tell you something. Please don't reinvent the wheel. You don't need to. Just Do the plan that works for tens of thousands of people and works for this lady here. We're going to talk a little bit about how it's worked for Miss Kim. So we're going to talk about this because the truth is, is that emotions and money are inextricably linked. So very quickly, here's how you change your methods. And then I'm going to uh, ask Kim a couple of questions. You work on mastering your money because when comparisons or pride or fear creep in, you act on we, not on me. You do what is good for others, not just simply what is good for me. And then I would just say also money changes more than you think. (laughs) That means that you can't receive money or have a lack of money without it affecting your relationship or your relationships and all the different things. It changes and it ripples out. And so it's really, really important. All right. So let's go through here very quickly. Talk about. The rich man and the eye of the needle. And then I'm going to ask Miss Kim to share this. I'll just put this up and just take a look at this. This is Jesus' own words. And isn't it interesting that Jesus says it's difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. But how many of us in 2021 think that being rich is the most important thing that we could ever do or be? All right. So anyway, very quickly, tell me a little bit about this slide that's going to be up here. This is the seven baby steps. Here's some of the different ways that you can connect with Dave Ramsey. Can you just kind of go through and explain a few of these baby steps real quickly? Uh, yes. So it's, it's a really simple plan. Um, there are seven baby steps. So the first one is to save a thousand dollars. The average American does not have, <clears throat> excuse me, a thousand <clears throat> nervousness. That's right. Um, does not have $1,000 saved in the bank. So that's your first step to cover anything like um, going to the emergency room or a busted tire. Then you wanna put all of your debt in a debt snowball and you pay off all of your consumer debt, which is credit cards, car notes, um, personal loans, anything like that. And then after you've paid off all of your debt, you're gonna save up three to six months of expenses. And for a single household, you wanna probably save six months. And for a um, two income household, you can save about three. And that's your household expenses. Um, Then you wanna start investing 15% of your income. So at this point, you have no payments going to debt. So you can really beef up your, your, um, your 
income for investment. And then if you have children, you'll save for college. At this point, you're gonna do four, five, and six at the same time. And then you can work on paying off your house towards any extra things because that's part of wealth building. And then once you've done that, now you can build wealth, continue building your wealth, and then giving um, generously and being able to do so much more with your money so you can live and give like no one else. Yeah, that's kind of the, the statement, right? Yes. Live like no one else <laughs> mm -hmm. so later you can live like no one else. Um, I know that one of the things that we understand is, is that many in our world are just constantly, you know, we have debt because we've chosen to, we, we probably bought something on a six months no interest payment and we thought, well, we'll have it paid off for sure in six months and then that didn't happen and then we did it again and then we did it again or we had college loans, which, man, college education is incredibly important. Um, you know, this stuff is just real life stuff, but it is difficult. Now, step number two, pay off all debt except for the house. Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit about what the debt snowball means and let, let's put a slide up here so you guys can see. I'm, I wish that were better, but if you can't see, just squint your eyes. Actually, it looked good to me when I didn't have my glasses on. I know that, again, I'm getting old. But you see there's different debt levels here, and I'll just turn it over to you so you can kind of explain the debt snowball a little bit. So when you're in the debt snowball, you list all of your debts from smallest to largest, regardless of their interest rates, and then... If your first payment is $100 a month and your other payments, you put whatever the minimum payment is on the other debts. And once you pay off the smallest debt, you put that payment towards the next biggest debt. And so this gives you momentum because you feel like you've accomplished something. You know, one credit card is gone. And then by the time you get to the last one, you can be putting all of that money towards your biggest debt. And then it gets, it just snowballs. That's why it's kind of called the snowball. So. It's just being diligent, and one thing I've learned is that you really have to budget your money in order to, to stick within this plan. Okay, so I'm not putting you on the spot. We talked about this. Yes. Can you share with everybody, you're, you're a single mom, and you had some debt that you needed to pay off, and so a few years back, do you mind sharing your debt number initially? No, um, I just want to, I'll be debt-free next month, and I've paid off I would have paid off $52,937. So I know that people are going, yeah, I got started on a similar plan, but then this happened. Okay. So I want to talk with you about that for just a second, because the truth is, is that you had a pretty big change happen in your life, I think maybe six, eight months ago, something yeah, like that. Probably eight, eight months. Yeah. Okay. So kind of share what that was and maybe some of the lessons that you learned, because we talked a little bit about that. Um, so life's going to throw changes at you and, and it's hard to stay on track sometimes, but about eight months ago, I had to... Um, moved my dad down here from New York and I became the primary caregiver. Within a couple of months before that, my son started going to college. He only got a partial scholarship, so I refused to let him take student loans out. So I'm paying for his school. I took on three jobs. Um, so during that time, there was a lot of life changes going on and I stopped tithing, um, even though I was you know, budgeting. And so what I learned as I'm back on track now is that God provides, it's very important, you know, the peace that you have within yourself. My income did not change since then, other than the second job that I had. But um, I, I just feel like it's very important to tie through this because he's going to show you the way um, and, and bring you through this even faster. And he's just, the blessings are just returned to you, so. Amen. Now, just for the record, mm -hmm. raise your right hand. I did not tell you to say that. No, Can I, I okay, actually, all right. It wasn't even my idea, was it? This is not paid. I'm not a paid This is not a paid uh, advertisement. <laughs> this is not a paid spokesperson. Paid spokesperson. Really. No, not like that. Okay, and you just said about two years ago, about a year and a half ago, actually, mm -hmm. as a single mom, as a new personal caregiver for your dad in your home, and a son of yours going to college, you paid off $52,000 in debt. Well, I, I want to just put a disclaimer in there. Like in October of 2019, it was about 40000 So since then, 
I've paid up, but the total in 2018 was $52,937. I'm still incredibly impressed. <laughs> I just want the record to reflect. Thank I'm you. incredibly impressed because I know that it would have been easy to say, well, I can't do it because I'm a single mom. Mm -hmm. I can't do it because this has changed. I can't do it because now this is happening. This is unexpected, and here it is at my doorstep. But I'm just impressed. I know that you have a passion and a heart for this because even at the very beginning of the pandemic, you asked if we could host a class here at the church uh, for Dave Ramsey because, I mean, you're clearly a believer and you're clearly a person whose life is very different now than it was 18 months ago or so. So, And I, I'm not free yet, but next month I will have that weight of the debt off of me and I can work towards the things that I want to do and then help teach others about this um, so that they can live free. All right. Do you have anything else that you want to say? Because I have the tendency to say too much and not give an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything else that you want to share? Um, no, I just, if anybody is, um, I do want to say that um, Eric and um, Nancy and Joe Garland um, were very supportive of me during the time when I was teaching uh, the financial piece and um, Nancy and Joe actually sat down with me to go over my budget because you should have an accountability partner with your budget if you're married you have your spouse and your um, but if you're single you don't really have anybody to go through that journey with so it's important to have um, people that that are supporting you through this because it is a, it is not easy but it is easy so awesome well. Can we give a hand? Thank you so much for your transparency. And I will just tell you that there are some other people that are here in this church um, that have gone through the Dave Ramsey uh, program, and it has been absolutely life-changing for them. And so I appreciate that, Kim. Thank you so much, and we appreciate your being willing to share. So very, very quickly, we're going to kind of bring this to a close. Let's come back to where Dr. Henry Cloud has been talking about this. Life brings... God brings life to dead situations in our lives. He's not the creator only, but he is the recreator of life. It becomes the theology of how one overcomes depression, heals a marriage, financially gets free, or becomes a person who saves their failing business career. And then he talks about how action is always integral part of any growth that happens and how all growth is spiritual growth. Here's the truth. The truth is, is it's not easy, but it can be done. If you are a person, I know that I might be talking to people who have no problems with finances, no problems with debt. I would just encourage you to make sure that you don't get yourself off track and forget that you know we, we, we use things and love people, not love things and use people. So sometimes if we've got a lot, we can kind of get that twisted. But instead, if we can keep that clear, that's good. But I also know that I'm talking to some people who have some serious issues in finances because it's just the truth and this is just the, the numbers. And so be careful that you don't get to the place where you feel like, hey, I'm up to debt, you know, to here, I'm up to my eyeballs in debt and there's no place to go. I'm here to tell you that there are people and programs that can bring you out of that. And I encourage you not to just let it be something you don't think about, but instead let that be a tool that you control and not something that controls you. Here's how you apply this message very quickly. We apply this way. We commit to spiritual growth in both our mind and our methods. That means that we think our, rethink our money motives. Why do we spend what we spend? And then you go with somebody on the methods that you say, this is the track record that will get me out and bring me to a place where I know I am not controlled by money, but money is controlled by me. So this is the end of the Transform series. This is the end of our time together having to do with unleashing new life. We've talked about relationships. We've talked about spiritual growth. We've talked about finances today. We've talked about a lot of things, but this is the place that we began and also the place I want to end. I don't believe that God designed or desires for us as his children to be constantly struggling, living day to day, and not seeing a better life and seeing an opportunity to unleash his power in our life. The truth of the matter is, is that in John chapter 10, verse 10, an incredible passage of scripture that speaks, even, <laughs> even as I talk about it constantly, it still continues to speak to me. Jesus said to all those who would listen, including you and including me, very truly, I say to you, I'm the gate for the sheep. 
All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it to its fullest. Here's what I would say. I believe that God wants your life to be full of his presence and his peace. That you would be a person who understands living a full and abundant life. But it begins with changing our mind about where God has his place in our life as well as changing the methods. If you've constantly gone down a single path and it's never changed, it might be because you've never actually changed the methods in your, in your life. And so I just encourage you, before we sing our final song, that goes perfectly along with the message series, just the idea that God's power brings life to dead things. I would just like to pray for you And I would just ask you for a brief moment to bow your head, close your eyes very quickly. I'm not going to even ask you to raise your hand. This is just an opportunity for you to think about, okay, well, what is God saying to me? We've talked a lot about spiritual growth. We've talked a lot about how God is not desired for us to be immature Christians. He's not desired for us to have our life out of order and out of balance. We've talked about how we need to be treating others and how we need to make sure that our possessions are not the thing which defines our life. These are things that we've talked about all throughout this message series. But maybe one of these things is like poking you right in the chest and saying, this is you. This is where you need to give God control, where his transforming power needs to be unleashed in your life. Or maybe... It's something that we haven't even talked about, and yet you know that God's power needs to be unleashed in this particular area of your life. God's power is strong enough to bring Jesus back from the dead. I think he can alleviate the sins and the problems in your life. He's that strong. He's that big a God. But you got to let him be that big in your life. Let him transform your life. Dear God, I know that all of us at times have relied on our own power and not relied on your life-giving, world-changing power. But forgive us, and may we come to you, and may we reach for you, God, instead of reaching for our own self and our own power. It brings us down a road and a path that is not enough. It puts us at a place of, you know, importance that we just don't have the strength to hold up under. We need you to be the center and we need you to be the source. So change us from the inside out and transform and unleash new life within us. We need you, God, because we are not enough. But God, we know you are. And so for the moment, would you change us? Would you cleanse us? Would you empower us? Would you give us the strength to stay with the path we know will bring us where we need to be? Right into your presence and in your peace. Direct and change in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name.